Welcome to episode 33 of the Rain City Bunker podcast. I am Greg Moon, and I do this podcast with my friend and co-host, Andy Brown. Hello. And this is being recorded on September 1st, 2019. Today, to me, this morning when I was out walking around, it felt a little bit like fall. So this is our end of summer episode. Yeah, I know it's I know it's not official that the Labor Day weekend is the end of summer, but that's always what it felt yeah, unofficial, like. To me. Yeah, yes. it's always it's the unofficial. Yeah, it's always unofficial end. End of summer. Yeah. So how was your summer, Greg? My summer was pretty good. Um our kids were overseas. <laughs> My wife actually liked that. <laughs> so she flew over with them, spent a couple weeks, then she flew back because she couldn't live without me <laughs> she doesn't listen to this so i could say stuff yeah. like that and then uh we had a nice kind of restful summer i wasn't working i yep. had time off so i just that makes it restful yes yeah. yes it was fun and i saw friends and family and awesome. uh, did a lot of stuff around the house fixed my fence you know yeah i stuff uh, like that this this summer was not as meaningful as last summer i turned 50 last summer and there was a lot of stuff like i had friends come into town to visit um, you know, uh, I had a party that was thrown for me for my 50th. A lot of things seemed very cyclical that, that mm-hmm. summer, like things from the past kind of returning this one. I mean, it was a good summer. Don't get me wrong. Um, but it just didn't seem to have the same sort of meaning. Yeah. Me. Well, not every year is your 50th exactly. birthday. <laughs> and, and it, uh, but I will say this and the, we did not have, and hopefully we won't have knock on wood, the wildfires in this region. Um, so we didn't have like the smoky summer, which we've had for uh, the smoky summer we've had kind of for the last um, couple summers. And, yeah, two summers for sure. And, and sometimes it's bad enough that it looks like absolutely apocalyptic outside. You know, it's it's like orange and, you know, and, and hazy. And yeah, it's I'm, I was glad that that did not happen. Yeah, um, I think this was a fairly mild summer. Yeah. I don't think we got over 85. Yeah, yeah. I mean, we didn't get real hot. Oh, yeah, it was really mild, too. Yeah. yeah. Whereas the rest of the country was really hot. Other parts of the country were really hot. Yeah. Um, and kind of unusually, because I'm a geek, weather geek, uh, we had more days of rainfall in July and August than normal. Oh, interesting. So that might have helped kind of keep, you the, know, the things settled yeah. a little bit. And we didn't have a lot of rain, but... We had several days of misty, light rain, yeah. which is unusual. So yeah. this was unusual in that regard because Seattle's summers are usually – July and August are very dry typically. And I, I did – my family was out of town during the kind of July 4th uh, week. And it wasn't – I didn't mind actually. I was, I was totally cool with having kind of a quiet July 4th and I took a few days off and uh, just hung out with the dogs and – I binge. We're going to talk a little bit about this uh, later, but I binge watched Stranger Things season three, which dropped on July fourth, which mm-hmm. was kind of awesome. I had my own little kind of binge watching party on the July fourth, uh, and uh, I really liked it. Um, we'll get into this a little bit more, but Greg, I don't even know if I've I've asked you what did you think. I know you watched it. What did you think? 
how do you think it rated amongst the three seasons? You know, it's funny. A lot of people debate that topic, and to me, they're all great. Yeah, I mean, okay, okay. I don't really feel like one sticks out that much out of the other. What I mostly hear from people, I I'm I would make people say to me, "You love movies and TV and stuff. You should be a, a reviewer or a critic, right?" And but here's the problem: I'm not critical. When I love something, it's really hard. Like, I have definitely loved some crappy, objectively crappy stuff. And it's hard for me. I like the second season, but I know a lot of people complain about that one. They thought they kind of they kind of lost their groove in the second season. But what I heard from most people is that they really loved uh, the third season, and most people either rank that higher or the same as the first season. Okay. From the people I've talked to. Yeah, and... For me, the first season was just so it's such a unique and unusual and right, interesting right. and fun it, yeah, show yeah. that the first season really kind of stuck out like, wow, this is a whole a whole interesting, great and kind of series. a game changer. Yeah, yeah, and I did feel like season two amped it up a little, yeah, and kept my interest, right? But, um, and then this season to me, to me, it feels somewhat equivalent to the other two, so yeah. you know, I'm I'm like you. When I like something, I'm not so critical. Right. <laughs> so maybe if I watched it with the sense of thinking comparison, right, right, maybe right. I'd think differently. But just my gut feel is like they're all entertaining. They're all fun. And especially we're children of the 80s. Right. So we really oh, enjoy the, the nostalgia. Season, I think the third season, more than the first two, was just chock full of, of 80s references and callback callbacks and easter eggs yeah. and all that stuff so they're really going for the young boomers and the xers yeah audience i but i've you know i'm kind of joking i've read but... a lot of interviews and stuff like that they're one of their primary goals and they seem to they seem to hit it because a lot of younger people like it as well is they don't want to do that so much that it detracts from the show you know in right, other words right. in other words like you'd just be lost if you did, i think they pushed the edge a little bit in season three i enjoyed yeah, I would it agree but if, if you weren't a kid of the 80s, yeah. it might be a little uh, boring or like, oh, what another? I have a, Maybe. I, have a I don't know. I have a coworker who's from India, and he he liked the season three, but he said it was not his favorite. So there might be something to that. There might be. You like know, it might have been a little too much on the 80s. Too nostalgia. much pop culture reference, yeah. references. Because, uh, yeah, he didn't. He didn't get those because he's he's younger and he's also from India, so that a lot of that would be lost on him. Um, and I don't think that happened to him, or or that was that affected his uh, how he felt about the first two seasons. So uh, we will get we will get back to uh, Stranger Things a little bit uh, later on in the show, but we're going to hit a couple of uh, news stories that I thought were kind of interesting, kind of relate to things that we find interesting and. Uh, uh, yeah, I will let uh, Greg hit you with the first one. Yeah, Andy's been doing his homework. Um, I haven't. <laughs> so Andy dug up a couple of fun stories for us to talk about. Uh, I'm going to read sections of this story. So this first story, it's kind of uh, human interest or just kind of like, whoa. Uh, top secret teens, the high schoolers recruited by the National Security Agency. So, and it's um, a CNN story. Yeah, story done on CNN. We'll post the link. And... Uh, so it's just kind of interesting. Here, I'll just go ahead and start reading. Fort Meade, Maryland. Summer's high school students' friends think she's monitored their phones and listened into their conversations. They speculate about the wild things she does at work and jokingly accuse her of being a spy. They like to have fun with it, Summer says, but her friends might be forgiven because when the 18-year-old 
wasn't in class at her Maryland high school over the past year. She was at her job at the sprawling National Security Complex at Fort Meade, Maryland. There, she works somewhat in cyber, quote, quote, somewhat in cyber, <laughs> unquote. She responds cryptically when asked that what someone in their teens would be asked to do at the NSA, which leads the American intelligent community's electronic signals, intelligent gathering, and code-breaking efforts. I think most people have a pretty good idea of yeah. uh, what the NSA does. Yeah. So the, the story's about three, three different people. Three different, three different uh, kids. Three yeah, three different, different high schoolers. Yeah, the trio, who are all eighteen and just graduated from high school in Maryland, are among more than one hundred and fifty high schoolers in a work study program at the agency, which gives them access and exposure to some of the country's most sensitive information and secret efforts. For that, they need TS slash SCI, more commonly known as Top Secret Security Clearance, as high as clearances go. No small feat to get, just asked Jerry, Jared Kushner, and a weighty responsibility for anyone, let alone teenagers from a generation that shares everything. Let's see. There's definitely a feeling of responsibility that comes with it, says Simon. I think that's really cool that they're trusting these young high schoolers with this, and so many people are able to get a jump start on their future careers with this. I think it's a great opportunity. And I'm skipping around, just yeah. getting some, oh, yeah, yeah. some key paragraphs here. We want them to get in and get them hooked early to the mission so they can have a long career here. There's more emphasis now on student programs than I think there's ever been to try to get them when they're young. Get them hooked young, the recruiter commented. Responsibility is one of the keys to getting them hooked. For summer, that meant joining a team rolling out a new product and giving seasoned officials access to test it as with everything related to the actual work details were few and vague the nsa uses web social media and job fairs to recruit students they didn't go to brianna's high school instead her father suggested she check out intelligencecareers.gov <laughs> where she started up on the program so yeah and then one more here uh, the high school students graduate, go off to college, travel, and get new ideas in their heads, which is another reason why making the experience as exciting as possible to younger recruits is so vital. Identifying the right hires isn't the challenge, NSA officials say. It's retaining them. you got to hit that, that one quote. That was really funny. Yeah, yeah. yeah. and the last, the last thing here is uh, you know, asking them why they want to be there. And, quote, catching the bad guys, unquote, Summer says. I look forward to that. <laughs> well, what was the what was the thing? There was the quote about like how eh, it's a little scary sometimes or something. Oh. Yeah, 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 you got to yeah. hit that quote. Oh, I didn't mark it, so uh, uh, I, yeah, you put me on the spot here. Yeah, I'm sorry. Uh, uh, we'll talk and I'll find it. Uh, okay. Yeah, you know, I it's interesting. I mean, of course, like thinking of like fictional stories that that have to do with like teenagers being recruited into the NSA, and of and of course, you go to the sinister aspects of it is there's something some skills that these kids have that they they covet or or whatever i i would imagine that they they parlay their uh, skills and social media and and so forth into some 
that was a thought sort of that value. jumped in my head. You know, yeah. I mean, they may be good technically. I mean, these yeah. are bright students. They, they're right. STEM students, that right, sort of right. thing. But I'm thinking that something about their uh, their ability to use social media so well yeah. might be part of it. Oh, I found that quote. Okay, yeah, you got to read that quote because that cracked me up. <laughs> quote, it can be scary, unquote, she adds, because you know what's out there. <laughs> Great. Yeah. <laughs> so uh, Annie and I usually talk about these stories ahead of time, and I mentioned that it's kind of interesting because, you know, at 18, you're not very mature. Right, Or you're right. not as mature. I mean, some people are, but yeah. it seems like at that age, do you know <laughs> – someone's thinking you know maybe even like you know maybe nsa is nsa so maybe they do kind of background checks like are oh, these, are, these pe- are these people friendly to russia right, or right. iran or and w- I joked an opponent with, i joked with uh greg when i was a teenager in the 80s i i would not have cleared their uh, uh you know pol- <laughs> just the stuff i was involved with politically and you know i tended to be leaned left and stuff like that it probably wouldn't have been so well, leaning is one thing. That's everyone leans away, unless you were like like thinking about petitions. moving to the Soviet Union. I or signed something. petitions and stuff like that. So <laughs> like kind of wacky, yeah. Petitions? Well, no. Well, I'll tell you. Here's a story that broke in the '80s, and always gave me pause. Um, and this is this is true too. I'm gonna maybe some of the details because I'm pulling this completely from memory. I definitely signed uh, a protest or petitions against uh, government intervention in Nicaragua, for example. Mm. I know I signed some of that. Sure. There was a story that broke. We can, you can do the Google on it, right? But there was a story that broke that actually, I think, I want to say the FBI was posing as petition gatherers. Oh. And they were compiling a list of people. So this would have been during the Reagan presidency. They were compiling a list of people that were signing these petitions and essentially building like a database of people that were uh, were in disagreement with the administration. Okay. This just popped in my head as you're talking about yeah. this. So maybe, you know, we don't yeah. know. NSA would take an adverse look at someone signing petitions because right. that means they're active and they have right, a strong right. opinion. Right. Everyone has an opinion, yeah, right. but maybe they want people that just don't care so much about politics or yeah. maybe – I, yeah, I'd say that's probably true. Yeah. And, you know, possibly the nature of the NSA, they're looking for opponents or enemies of America. So right. people who are maybe a little yeah. more rah-rah America. Yeah, yeah I don't think I was I don't know. In, but it's, it, you know, once again, too, it's all it, it's all uh, perspective, too. At that time, I mean, we now know from the, the benefit of history looking back that the Reagan administration really wanted to participate in in Nicaragua and, uh, you know, El Salvador and, and that's the whole Iran Contra mm-hmm. thing. Yeah. So, so looking back, somebody who is, who is like me, who is in opposition to that doesn't look that radical. Right. Right. But overall, overall, I would gr- agree like, but to, that you're right as an American to sign right. something like that. But at that time, that was definitely in opposition to the people who were in charge of that. Right. Time. Right. Yeah. And those are the people who who nominate the heads of NSA and sure. intelligence agencies yeah. and so forth. But so. it seems like, I mean, it, it does seem like to me that you would want people just kind of, right. especially when they're young, right. or just kind of non-political, and right. you know they're just good students. They're probably looking at that mainly. Right. right. And we're conjecturing maybe yeah. they were better at social media than yeah. older people. Yeah. You know they know how to dig yep. in and. 
I'll give you, you know, it's, I'll give you another really interesting, very short thing where um, opinions change who's acceptable in the world of intelligence. Mm -hmm. So we know through this show and our interests, we know about the remote viewing, right? Which is this, right. call it the psychic spy program. Right, right. right. We talked about that and before. And the common, the common belief, and when you see it written about in mainstream media, is that the various intelligence agencies in the military dropped that because it was garbage and it didn't produce anything. That's not true. So the real truth is, is it it was not consistent enough to be considered a a, a tool that they could use consistently. Mm-hmm. But even more so, the leadership changed, and I'm trying to remember who it was. I think he was he was in charge of the CIA or something, and he was a kind of a, a born again born again or or traditional Christian, and he considered a lot of that stuff satanic and or magical or what do they call that right right and and so he put the kibosh on it too Mm. so you know it wasn't necessary but the story had always been you know because that's more that's funnier and that's the that's something that you know people can kind of laugh about is that it was just you know goofballs being you know believing in woo woo yeah but that's not really the truth it was more yeah. it was more that you know there were some people that were that it kind of rubbed against their religious beliefs mm. the wrong way so it it all depends on perspective so do you think that they are able to evaluate the uh, trustworthiness of a 18 year old i imagine that they've developed protocols over many many years of determining who, who is uh, trustworthy, who might be a problem. I mean, obviously it doesn't, it doesn't work sometimes like Edward Snowden. Mm-hmm. Although, you know, here's what's funny. Edward Snowden did not work for the NSA. He worked for a company that contracted with right, the NSA. Right, right. Um, so I imagine they're going more in-house for yeah. a lot of their... Do you, do you think they do uh, psychological evaluations? Oh, Absolutely. Absolutely, no doubt. Yeah. No doubt. In my like mind. written and yeah. that's oral. probably where I would have failed to. <laughs> you think oral and written or some combination? A, a variety of tests. Yeah. yeah, absolutely. So, so they because it seems to me also that someone who's young might be a little more susceptible to like a million bucks for the information they have access <laughs> yeah. to, right? Yeah. Because a million bucks is still a lot to us, but to a kid, that's a phenomenal Maybe. amount, right? Maybe because to, also to a kid, there isn't the same sort of cynicism. You could find a career guy, right? And this is a lot of. Uh, people who've been turned into assets or spies, uh, what they find is they find disgruntled people. An 18-year-old kid is not disgruntled. Not yet. yet. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, a guy who's been passed over for promotion, who works in signals intelligence. Or feels like they're not given. Or feels like, yes. Right. Or or feels like they haven't been given enough challenge or... Or like seeing weird politics they don't like, right? Or, or credit. Yeah. That's really the bigger yeah. target. So yeah. actually, an eighteen-year-old kid might be. Yeah. But money, less. raw money, might be a. <laughs> you know what works better with younger people? Not probably girls because they, they're they're a little stronger that way. But um, sex. Yeah. So uh, there was a, a marine nineteen late eighteen late nineteen eighties. A Marine at the Moscow um, embassy, embassy, the U.S. Embassy. And I think I yep, remember the story vaguely. He got seduced. and They he call just, them honey pots, I think. Yeah, honey or, pots, yep. Or honey traps. Or <laughs> I, I think honey traps. Yeah. Yeah. And so it's hard to resist a beautiful he, woman being showing you interest, when, especially she, when you're young. She tur- And he was like 21 or mm-hmm. something like that. He turned over 
everything she asked for. She he let in whoever she asked him to let in. I mean, so money wasn't the angle for sure. him. Sex, well, they have sex or weaknesses. love or yeah, whatever. Right, was the yeah, angle yeah. For him. So yeah. <laughs> well, anyway, sorry. Yeah, I, I guess we we're always. We're often cynical about this sort of thing, but yeah. I'm sure these are fine young people. And <laughs> yeah. and it's interesting, they're talking about their motivation for this is because uh, the lure of money and stock options is so strong from Silicon Valley. Yeah. And they the paragraph I read said they want to get these guys like excited and uh, interested and like feel like there's a good purpose underneath it all. Yeah. And so work I'm sure they're well compensated once they yeah. You know, once they join, but it's probably nowhere near some of the Silicon Valley stock options where you oh, become millionaire. Absolutely, yeah. And and you know, maybe it, you want to appeal to their sense of you know mission. And you know, do you want to write the newest app for Facebook, right, <laughs> to hook up with their friends better, or do you want to help protect the country? And like like they said, it, you know, I want to catch the bad guys. Yeah. And they also said it's scary what's out there. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Oh, so she she's seen what's out there and she wants to get them. Yeah, good, good, good. Keep it keep it coming. So I, I hadn't heard this story until Andy uh, brought it up to me. Um, so that was a pretty interesting. Shall we hit the the next one? Yeah, we'll move different. on the next one. So this one this one actually has a local connection. Uh, it happened locally in Washington here, actually close to Seattle, and it kind of tickles my idea of finding treasure, you know, just stumbling across treasure, which, uh, you know, that's always a, a kind of an intriguing and seductive idea. Uh, and it, it's a little bit of nostalgia and, and so forth. Um, the headline is uh, $13,000 NES, that's a Nintendo, cartridge found at the bottom of a Safeway sack. Uh, I don't know if every, does everybody have Safeways or are those local? Yeah, there's Safeways here. Okay. Uh, there are a lot of places. Okay, it's a grocery so it's, it's store. It's a West Coast some, thing, yeah. I think. So, the article reads, and I might skip around as well. In the decades since 1990s Nintendo World Championship tournament, its unique prize for participants, a competition class cartridge with timed versions of classic, classic games Super Mario Brothers, Rad Racer, and Tetris has become a sought-after sought collector's item. It's among the few holy grail games for high-end NES collectors. You know, people collect anything. Oh, it's amazing. Isn't it amazing? Yeah. Um, but yeah, I've, I've found out what a big thing this is. With an apparent grand total of fewer than 200 in the world, it represents a golden era when Nintendo could host a tournament that captivated a nation. And followed the two-hour commercial of a film that was The Wizard. I don't know if you remember that. I don't. Had the kid about from gamers. Um, had the kid from uh, uh, bleh, that TV show you liked about the kid in the in the early seventies, Wonder Years. Oh yeah, yeah. Fred Savage. Was yeah, it? yeah. So anyway, hence the discovery of any Nintendo World Championship cartridge is a newsworthy event for a certain class of retro gaming enthusiast. Uh, so I'm going to skip ahead. This happened at, there's a, a game store, it's a used game store called Pink Gorilla. I've actually been in there a couple times. Pink Gorilla Games. And it's really cool. I think it's local. Um, it's well, you've been there, so. I've been there, yeah. Uh, but, I mean, I think their chain is local. Oh, they, yeah. it's a chain? It's a, a small chain. And they deal in classic used games mm -hmm. and stuff like that. Uh, kind of a cool uh, business model, I think. Uh, so this is the, uh, the co-owner. You wouldn't believe this, Pink Gorilla co-owner Cody Spencer told Ars Technica, that Ars Technica story I'm reading from. 
in his shop storage room on Wednesday after a whirlwind 24 hours concluded with the game's sale to a collector. It's like anybody's dream come true when they hear about rare and valuable video games. The seller, a man, the guy who sold it, a man in his mid-30s wasn't recognized as a regular customer when he walked into the chain's South Seattle location on Tuesday with a Safeway, quote, Safeway bag full of the most boring NES games you can imagine. Mm -hmm. Uh, Spencer held up his phone to show me the rest of the seller's haul. This is the reporter speaking, not me. Including common NES fare like Russian Attack, NES Play Action Football, and California games. I'm going through these, bored out of my mind, and a little sick from the night before, Spencer said. <laughs> I would have imagined that he's talking, talking about drinking, maybe. This might have been a Sunday. Or... Yeah. At the bottom, that's it. It's the last one I pull out of the bag. The Nintendo World Championship label was clean and clear enough to make Spencer immediately assume it had been slapped onto a reproduction cartridge containing the game's leaked R uh, ROM. I almost said ROM which you can buy from hobbyists and other retro gaming shops for roughly $75. Pinkerilla doesn't stock repro cartridges. Uh, after physically picking the cartridge up, however, Spencer changed his tune. Wait a minute, this is really heavy, what's going on? So essentially they, they looked at it and examined it and found out it was one of these rare, uh, you know, exclusive cartridges that was given out at these championships. And I'm, I'm skipping ahead because I don't need to read everything. But the, you know, they looked, they opened it up carefully, looked inside. You could tell it was mm -hmm. the original chipset and everything. It wasn't somebody Because it, it was slightly heavier in those days. Right. Things are so advanced and tiny now right. and that it, you can tell a difference between a, if it was a, clone, a 90s heavy one and it, a modern. Exactly. If it was a clone, it would have newer chips and everything. And I really think light. that was the key is it had the old chips. Mm -hmm. Why would anybody making a clone put in? Mm -hmm. they, first off, they'd have to find the old chips. Yeah. and you know They're probably not available. Yeah. Or you'd have to scavenge them probably. And then you'd have the cartridge. So, yeah. Yeah. So uh, they, they, you know, they put it up for... Um, they put it out there for collectors. One thing that I think is really cool about this story is they, if somebody was, didn't have some kind of ethics. Yeah. I was thinking the same they thing. They could have looked at this and went, Oh, I'll give you 15 bucks for the bag. Right. And then yeah. going like, Oh my God, yeah. I've got this. But they, they paid the, the guy. They, they paid him well. And then they, and they, they made a few bucks themselves when they resold it. Right. They, um, they put it on, you know, online and it went for uh, $13,000. Uh, I just think that's so cool. And the guy who brought it in had no idea. Uh, yeah, it even says here, Spencer approached the seller and asked, are you pranking me? <laughs> the seller reply, replied that he honestly had no idea about the Nintendo World Championship huh? or about this cart-specific origins. He explained that he was simply a collector when nobody was collecting this stuff. Uh, so, And they tried to find... Um, who might have been the original owner and didn't come up. So oh. everybody was on the up and up. That's yeah. one of the things I awesome. love about this story. And they made money. Uh, and I, when I read this story, I have a coworker who's like classic gamer and I sent him the link and he said all, it had a picture. We can, we'll have a link on our site. It had a picture of the cartridge and he immediately knew. Oh, wow. He immediately knew. Wow. He's like, Oh, that's, that's rare. That's... 1990 uh, Nintendo. Yeah. And Andy and I were also discussing a little bit before we uh, start recording. Uh, my first earliest memories of, like, the modern type of cartridge. Because there's the really old ones, that were Atari. In fact, I had an Atari in the late 70s. But I don't think they even had a cartridge. It was all built-in console. Right. But I remember my friends being hooked on video games. I avoided the addiction. But I would go over to my buddy's house 
and he would play, his two brothers would be playing, his dad, I think even his mom would play. Wow. And I think it was a Nintendo, and I think it was like the late 80s. Yeah. I think that's when a Nintendo started taking off. We can I look into so, that. Yeah. But like, Atari was the first, right? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. And like I said, I had an Atari console, but it only had Pong and hockey <laughs> and, uh, you It probably know. came with that, right? Yeah. yeah. I think there was like four games yeah. built in. And my mom got mad at us using it because, oh, I hear that burns into the TV. Mm. So we could only use it for an hour at a time. Only if you just let it sit. Yeah. yeah. So, um, but, but you know, they became really big and popular. And the, and the cartridges were probably a game changer, right? So yeah. instead of being stuck with the same four games right cartridges you had unlimited games exactly and I, 1990 was probably a, oh, i mean yeah. things were getting big oh yeah in 1990 i never i really set. never had game consoles i was so jealous of my friends who had the ataris when they came out um but uh and i was telling uh, greg it was it's my older sister's family i i want to say like 1986 87 they had the Mario Brothers, which I believe was on Nintendo. Yeah, I think so. Um, and they, I feel like they had Sega too, but maybe that was later on. Um, so my experience with that was playing at, at other people's houses with other people's gaming consoles. I was more, I was definitely, and this is going to come up in a bit, I was definitely more of the arcade game player, mm-hmm. you know, dropping the quarters. Well, and your family had to have in those days. A little extra money. Yeah, like for the game my mom, consoles, yeah. You know, when I was in high school, there's no way she would have bought me a, whatever yeah. it cost then, $200 yeah. game console. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> it was just, we were we didn't have the money. Yeah. And I don't think your family was no, really no. super wealthy either. No, so, no. you know. Uh. <laughs> nope, I just had to go over. I, me- I remember really specifically, I remember the kid who, who had the first Atari and going over to his house. And Space Invaders was, was my jam. I yeah. love Space Invaders. That was so cool. Yeah. Uh, yeah, oh, what did I like? I like Centipede. Yeah. Oh, that was a cool <laughs> game too, yeah. But Centipede, you know what? Centipede was a stand-up arcade as mm-hmm. well as a console yeah, game. Yeah, they both. I don't was I don't think Space Invaders was a I was think a, I think all those games ended were up they? Okay. Con- yeah. depending on who owned it and yeah, what what game machine yeah. it, it showed up on. And nowadays, you know, it's just it's amazing what we've yeah. as far as the computer technology has really progressed a lot in the last you know, 50, 60 years. But now an Xbox is essentially a computer, I believe. Yeah. I mean, I don't even use X, those gaming consoles, but yeah. an Xbox, I hear people streaming Netflix and stuff over their oh, Xbox. Yeah, yeah. They've been able so to So it's essentially a, a computer probably yeah. with specialized chips for gaming. Right. But it, yeah, some it's, people, and some it's like people, a small portable computer for gaming. Yeah, and I I, I, I th- I've heard of some people hacking them to make a more just usable computer. Oh, yeah, and I think, yeah. I think, yeah, besides streaming, you can right. do other things with yeah. them. And they're, and they're pretty much all like that. I mean, yeah. you know, the Wii and all it's that just, stuff. And I mean, especially, you know, we look at a phone. A phone can do almost anything. So it's just yeah. the technology is coming to the point where you don't need a separate device for all these different functions right, like right. we used to. Right. So, uh, yeah, that, and that leads us into, I think, what I was implying is arcades. I, I went to an arcade that was at a mall, uh, the Farmington Valley Mall. In my town, Connecticut, in Connecticut, and that was in Simsbury, Connecticut. And that was a smaller mall. The larger one was in West Hartford, and it was called uh, the West Farms Mall. And we're going to talk a little bit about malls, ties into Stranger Things because a, a lot of the show was set in their fictional yeah. mall, which was called Starcourt Mall. Yeah, and 
and it also ties into our summer theme because yeah. this summer and this was Andy's idea. He's he's taking the lead on a lot of this stuff. <laughs> so um, a mall I grew up with because I've lived in North Seattle my entire almost my entire life. And when uh, earliest memories, my father worked at the Bond at Northgate. And this summer, they are start, they've started Bond closed at well it's called Macy's now. Yeah. My wife was working at Penny's. They closed. And Nordstrom's closed. So all the big stores at Northgate Malls have closed. There's only a few stores still open. Let's Before we get into that, though, let's talk about malls. And I, I, let's wind up with your story about Okay. Is that cool? Yeah. We wind up with the, the Northgate Mall? Um, because it, it's interesting and it's kind of culturally significant, I think. Uh, so, yeah, I did a little bit of research on malls. I'm not going to – it could get – So re- malls in general. Malls in general. Right. I, what we're going to talk about are – the the North American definition of a mall, which is like an enclosed, not not like mm-hmm. an open open air plaza and stuff like that. They're around the world. They're called different things like shopping centers and and so forth. And but, I think there's some overlap too. Yeah, I oh, mean, absolutely. A mall is a shopping center, but not all shopping centers are a mall. Right, and I'll, kind of thing. Actually, it's funny. I'll I'll get into that in a little bit. But uh, they're called when we think of mall. Like what comes to mind is like the mall in Stranger Things, which is like the enclosed mall, and that's what that's what malls. These specific malls are called malls in North America, the Persian Gulf, and India. Interestingly, it's it's funny. Probably air conditioned in the latter two. Yeah, that's locations. true. That, you know, that's a good point. They're probably climate controlled. That probably has a lot to do. with Yeah, because yeah. you know, in the Middle East, the Persian Gulf, that's a hundred five yeah. degrees. Some, yeah. you know, it gets really super hot. And there's like like Greg was saying, there's kind of a there's kind of a a varying way you can define that. But in general, what constitutes a mall is a collection of stores, obviously, with usually one or two depart- large department store anchor stores, mm-hmm. uh, you know, and then they bring in the business for all the other uh, the other small uh, smaller stores. And believe it, this cracked me up, and this has been around I think since like 1954. There's actually an organization based in New York City called the International Council of Shopping Centers. <laughs> and they have definitions of malls. They have different types. And I, I won't detail them, but I'll tell you. So one type is the neighborhood center community mall. Uh, then there's the regional mall. And the, di- the difference is, is that usually has two or more anchor stores, whereas a neighborhood center community mall is usually smaller. And sometimes it's just what we would call like a strip mall, Mm -hmm. right? And then there's a super regional center that's larger. Mall of America in Minneapolis, for example. Or maybe not, somewhere in Minnesota. Yeah. Then there's a fashion slash specialty center, which is usually higher end sort of, uh, you know, higher end stores, like more expensive stores. Then there's... A power center, which sounds to me like a sports position. <laughs> a power center, it's small with several several big box anchor stores. So it's just like a collection of all your big box anchor stores with, without too many other smaller stores. And then there's theme and festival center, which is a, there's usually a unifying theme. And that's more aimed towards tourists. Like mm-hmm. you might find that in like places like Hawaii around mm-hmm. resorts and so sure. forth and so on. And then there's... Um, Outlet malls, which are just like what they sound like. That's where the stores directly sell customers like returns or discontinued items. Or, or surplus. Or surplus, right? Yeah. Overstock. Yeah. And uh, then there's this, this isn't within their definition, but then there's the phenomenon of the dead mall, which is 
Yeah, that's kind of recent, right? I mean, it's within the last 15, 20 years, what or, I was reading, or even more recently. What I was reading is that, you know, uh, oh, I forgot what the, um, uh, you know, trend co- company was looking at, the sales trends and so forth and so on. But they found that they were, they were still building, like, I think it was in 1997, malls were still being built. And then by, like, 2004... There were no, pretty much no right. more. All right. So my time frame was pretty. Yeah. So they well, malls stopped being uh, multiplied around oh four. Right. Oh four. Right. Really, no one was going to invest in a large right new and then, mall. And then the recession hit later on, and mm-hmm. that was it. Two thousand eight. Oh eight. And that really put, you know, uh, you know, damaged a lot of these the the livelihoods of these these malls. And now there's a phenomenon called dead malls, and they're just some of them are abandoned or just barely being used. And I know there's a couple, uh, there's a couple sites. I think there's one site called deadmall.com mm. <laughs> where they they collect photographs and videos of people taking, you know, of these of these various malls. And I went, gosh, I one of the times I went back out east, that first mall that I told you about, Farmington Valley right. Mall. I went there and this was shortly this is probably late 90s i think and i think this is before they actually tore that whole indoor mall down so th- that one's gone then that one's gone but they they built kind of like the outdoor model mm. you know where they're not connected yeah. but there's a like kind of a clump of stores mm-hmm. um and i went in there and i'll have to see if i can find it i had a video camera at that time and i took video of the inside and pretty i would say 75% of that mall was empty. Wow. But you know what was still there? This is crazy. The arcade. Yeah. <laughs> so so we went in, it was pretty much empty, but it was oh, it was still functioning. Still there. It was yeah. still up and functioning. So when you talk about Dead Mall, yeah. what I think, because I've lived in Seattle my whole life, yeah. there is a mall called, um, I can't think of it offhand. Yeah. <laughs> it's where the Costco is on uh, 205th and oh, Aurora. Yeah. Okay. I don't know why it's escaping me at the moment, but there was a mall there. Yeah. And even... I think in the 80s, I'd go up there, and it was a ghost town. Wow. And I think they ended up tearing down the 90s and building yeah. the big Costco, yeah. which is like a mall in right. itself right, up right, there. Right. But I remember going up there, and, oh, I, I worked at Pay and Save, yeah. which was uh, a retail drugstore in the Seattle area. And we would call other stores for merchandise and stuff, <laughs> and they were always so slow. Yeah. I said, oh, do you mind checking? Oh, there's no one here, so I'll just yeah. go check for me. And I'd go up there, and it was just so sad to be yeah. in a dead mall. Must have been You'd location. see like a dozen people, wow. and I think they had a Nordstrom and a couple other good big stores. Yeah. But and it, and that was obviously before the Amazon time of Amazon. Right. And, you know, a lot of people blame the you know online retailers for the demise of the yeah. mall. But I think there's more complicated factors. Yeah, going on. I, I think so. Too. I think that is definitely a factor. Yeah. The uh, the other thing I was going to mention is not, not only was that mall just on its way out and about to be demolished, I also, subsequent to that, on other visits to the East Coast, probably mid-2000s, I visited the other mall that I mentioned, the West Farms Mall, mm-hmm. which was the bigger yeah. one. Right. That one is, still exists. It's still uh, an indoor mall. Uh, architecturally, it hasn't really changed. The interior has changed. Mm-hmm. But my friend wanted me to mention, when I told him that we were going to talk about malls, he was like... Talk a little bit about how sketchy or skeezy like the old malls were. And the West Farms Mall is definitely an example of that. Because when, you know, my family moved to Connecticut in 1979, and that's actually my first memory. I don't remember going to a mall in Michigan. I remember going to like a big, like 
Fred Meyer type store. Mm-hmm. Like that was like the mall experience. What city from Michigan did you move from? Uh, Battle Creek. Battle Creek. There's probably how, a mall how, now. how big of a city is Battle it's Creek? Big. You know? It's big. Okay. Yeah. Uh, but you just don't remember ever going to a mall. Yeah, I don't think we had one nearby. We like I said, we went to more like what a Fred Meyer. I can't yeah, super superstore. Like a superstore yeah, that would have stores, you yeah. know have that sort of thing. And you know, I remember getting some of my first action Star Wars action figures <laughs> there and stuff. But this. So this mall, when my family moved there, it it felt more like uh, like the Starcourt Mall in the Stranger Things, but a little bit older. It had a movie theater, which actually went away during the eighties. But that's where I saw. I I know I saw Conan the Barbarian there, <laughs> and I'm pretty sure I saw, saw Escape from New York there, and um, it had uh, it it had a. Uh, ours was called a merry-go-round and it was like it sold like hipster clothes or like disco clothes. well they, it wasn't hipster back then well no was it, it? would have been the 80s it would i guess whatever was hipster would, back then yeah thin ties yeah that okay. kind of stuff, neon cl- kind yeah. of clothes <laughs> you said you had there was something like that here uh well um what, northgate what had something called a squire shop which <laughs> in the 70s i remember awesome. they had all the wide legs and oh my God, they were kind of the youthful right, focus right, and right. like my stepsister worked there for yeah. a while and uh but it also the westward wall also had this place called the cutlery shop and greg was greg will pipe in in a second and what I remember about it is, yes, it sold cutlery. Like, you could get, like, butcher knives and kitchen stuff. But what I remember about it is it sold throwing stars, nunchucks. Yeah, because Andy was a martial arts guy <laughs> well, for a while. Yeah, nerd. <laughs> a, a samurai swords. I remember there was a big suit of armor in the in the front of it. Like, whoever bought that, I don't know. And But the thing – well, go ahead. You, you said you had something similar. Well, yeah, um, and it – was it called? It was, I, I forget what it was named. It had all those same things, including a suit of armor. And <laughs> it was probably the cutlery shop. I don't think because I wasn't into martial arts. I don't think I ever went into that store. Oh, that's and they funny. Show, they sold, but I knew they sold you know knives and you know the <laughs> armor and maybe swords. <laughs> and I re- and that sucker would not die. Yeah. I think that store was there till like ten years ago. Wow. So from my earliest memories, yeah. around seventy three, right through two thousand ten, <laughs> that store survived. And I wondered like. Who buys a suit of armor? <laughs> Somebody. But someone was, unless it was like one of those money laundering shops, but it that place would not it's, go away. And it, I didn't know a single person who ever bought a single thing from there. It was either, it was either like a, a money laundering or, you know, we don't want to get sued. So, who knows? we're just joking. <laughs> or it was like it sold to, it sold like throwing stars to kids like me and like, weird coke dealers during the 80s <laughs> so and then but my favorite part and I'm, I'm doing this specifically for joe because we laugh about this all the time there was a i can only describe it as a magazine uh smoke shop right they sold bongs in the mall. In the mall. Yeah. yeah. See, this is what it, this is. He wanted me to touch on this, and I think it, absolutely because this shows how it was kind of different, right? And it's West Farms is not like this now, right? Mm-hmm. But they 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 sold uh, bongs. They sold. I remember they sold like pins. Like I remember my friend and I got one that said like "Disco Sucks" or something on it, which I don't believe now. Uh, it had comic books. Was one which was one of the primary reasons I went in there. It had. Uh, martial arts magazines, <laughs> uh, and it had you know, 
you know, newspapers and stuff like that, but also had a lot of nudie magazines too, right? So, you know, obviously kids would sneak in there to try to see if they could, you know... Sneak a peek. Sneak a peek or even try to steal it or whatever. And the guy was this cranky old guy that worked there. And anytime you cracked open a magazine, he'd go, this is not a library. That's what he would say, right? And I remember I was a good kid and I, I rarely stood up and talked back to adults or rarely. And he just would say that I bought something every time I went in there. I didn't go in there if I didn't have money to buy something. Yeah, you didn't. You weren't thieving. I wasn't thieving or just wasting time. But I also wanted to know. I bought different things, right? I so you buy, would find an article you liked or two, and say, yeah. "Oh, I want this one." And other one you may have bought in the past, but they didn't have anything appealing. Very, so you would be selective. Here was a very common experience, right? I'd go in and see, like, "Ooh, there's a new issue of Black Belt Magazine." Right, which is karate magazine. Mm-hmm. Oh, Omni. Oh my gosh, Omni. That it looks like they have a thing on Bigfoot. Oh. <laughs> and then I'd be like, but there's a new Spider-Man out too. So you know, it yeah. would be like, so you, I'd have and to, you only had limited resources, yeah, right? I only had limited resources, so I'd have to, I'd have to decide. And the guy would say it to me every time. And one time I was looking. I mean, I had just picked up a magazine and opened it up, and he he said the line to me. And I turn around and I said, you know, I come in here all the time and every time I, I buy something. So I'm going to buy something. I just want to figure out what I want to buy. He just stared at me and then went back to reading his newspaper. <laughs> <laughs> but, um, but it's completely different now. Now it's like there's, there's none of that kind of sketchiness. There's none of that weirdness. Now, no, see, because I'm not really getting this or I don't remember experiencing the sketchiness of yeah, the mall. Yeah. Cause Northgate was kind of always the same. Right. And they, they, never, they had nowhere in Northgate ever sold a bong that I recall. Right, right, right. So Northgate seemed pretty middle class and yeah. pretty steady. Yeah. And there wasn't a lot of crime. Oh, Once yeah. in a while there'd be, you know. Yeah. Well, you I'm know, sure it's different, different places. Uh, not, not a mugging, a pickpocket right, thing or something. Right. But it was a pretty normal middle yeah. class mall that didn't have sketchy things. Yeah. So what you're saying is that mall, Fairfield? Uh, uh, West Farms. West Farms. Like they went through an era where was a, there was sketchy shops or yeah, did gangs yeah. hang out there? I mean, I, when you say sketchy, what are you talking about? I just mean like a little bit more, you know, particularly to a kid's eyes, a little bit more dangerous than mm. just kind of the real sterile. Okay. Yeah. Well, Northgate was fairly sterile. And, and the other thing I remember about, I remember the arcade. Now that felt like the domain of kids. Like there was yeah. never like an adult in there except the owner, or the yeah, manager, so, yeah. or whatever. And those people were always weird too. Um, you know, and so that, that felt like a weird, almost like I remember as a kid, I always thought of it as, as most Eisley from like Star Wars, <laughs> yeah. like, you know, a motley group. Yeah. What is it? Hive of scum and villain yeah. or something. Yeah. I mean, yeah, exaggerating <laughs> of course. But the other thing I remember about malls is considering they were where they were situated, like, kids from different towns would go there in and, in your kind of small town connecticut right yeah upbringing yeah and one of the things i definitely remember about my friends and i is we would go there to look at girls like you oh, know yeah. like cuz there'd be girls that you didn't go to school with and and I assume girls went to probably check out boys well they like well. to shop typically more than boys <laughs> yeah. but the boys are there to watch the girls right. and the girls probably maybe like yeah. you said a little bit too yeah and it also had it also had a couple other things I loved. It had bookstores. The West Farms Mall had had two. The Farmington Valley Mall had one. Um, 
and I'm, I know Walden Books was in there. And you know, Walden Books mm-hmm. was owned yep. by the Scientologists. We've talked oh, about that before. Right. I don't know if you knew that. I forgot uh, <laughs> if we did talk so about So they it. always prominently featured, uh, what's his face, the... Uh, the Ron Hubbard stuff. L. Ron Hubbard books. <laughs> terrible <laughs> science fiction. They were always dis- prominently yeah. displayed. Okay. Uh, but, yeah, so uh, that's what I, uh, you know, that's and what I remember. There's a couple it. things that prompted this this theme we have of yeah. the mall. So, uh, Northgate's closing and then the uh, Stranger oh, Things. Yeah. So, uh, let's let's talk about Northgate a little bit. Well, why don't I do Stranger Things? We'll wind up with okay. Northgate. Okay. So, yeah, like we said, Stranger Things, uh, their fictional mall is, is called Star Court. Mm-hmm. And I found out something interesting that, you know, we were talking about uh, dead malls. They actually uh, built their mall set in a kind of dead mall that was out. It's in suburban Atlanta. And it was called uh, Gwinnett Place Mall. And this mall is was truly like a dead mall. It was I don't know if any stores were open, abandoned, open, abandoned essentially. And it kind of became known for there was some crime, uh, or a lot of crime would be there, and the police would be called there. And then, really sadly, uh, I think what was it? It was not that long ago. Um, the body of this young woman was found in the mall yeah. uh, by a mall worker. I would assume like a maintenance person yeah. or something. Well, I've discovered through personal experience, abandoned places attract oh yeah, bad things. Yeah. And so, at any rate, that kind of sad and disturbing... But what was remarkable yeah. about, you know, that they found this abandoned mall and they yeah. probably essentially refurbished yeah, it, right? Yeah, they did, yeah. And that, when I watched the Stranger Things uh, season three this time, yeah. I was just struck about how amazing that reconstruction was yeah it really reminded me i was telling people about that yeah. it reminded me of 80s malls it oh really yeah did. and they put in you know fictionalized uh they have their fictional store like there's scoops ahoy which is where the two yeah. characters work but they put in like uh, there's some actual retailers yeah, like the gap, there um, yeah the gap was at orange julius which that's kind of inaccurate because orange julius was on the west coast and it wasn't really in the midwest at that point um uh, I think there was a Walden Books there, or whatever, but the Burger King, and they had all the signage and everything. And, and that's yeah. what was, uh, it just felt like it really brought you back to the East because they all looked shiny and new. Yeah. It just looked modern. So yeah. they somehow transported you back, really, yeah. to the 80s with like a modern camera. Yeah. It was really, uh, th- that was a lot of fun. And, yeah. and we talked about this season of Stranger Things. Yeah. The, the 80s nostalgia is really remarkable. Yeah. And, you know, the mall thing is this, what we're and, talking about. And you about, can find, uh, uh, you know, maybe we'll find the link and put it online. But um, uh, you can find a YouTube video of somebody got in there and, and went around and filmed the, the set. And it oh. doesn't look like a set. It looks like a mall. Oh, it yeah. looks like a mall that was in a time capsule from the yeah. 1980s. It's wild. Well, they probably went through considerable effort to find those signs or yeah. reproduce the signs. Yeah. So yeah. The, a lot of work went into that. And it, it was for, you know. Us uh, Xers, we love that stuff. <laughs> and uh, so now we're going to – Greg has been chomping at the bit to, to talk about this. So finally yeah. I'm going to unleash him and <laughs> let him talk about this. So, yeah, um, Northgate Mall is closing. It's being reimagined. And so, you know, I've lived in Northtown my whole life, and a lot of my friends are still in the area. Yeah. So, you know, with Northgate closing, there's tons of people posting on social media. I mean, yeah. you know, I'm on Facebook mainly yeah. for that kind of stuff. And people are just really nostalgic about, oh, we should go back. And, yeah. you know, we should go there one last time. And Andy actually suggested <laughs> that we do that, even though it wasn't really part of his, no, part his of life yeah. too much. But he knew it was a big part of my life. And the part 
ways it was part of my life is my earliest memories. My dad worked at the Bon Marche at Northgate, and I don't know the exact years, but they moved to Seattle in 63, and he worked there until about 78. Wow. So dad worked at the... uh, the Bon Marche, he cut hair at their beauty salon from about 63 to 78. And then uh, he went back to work at JCPenney's about 1981, I think, something yeah. like that. Because he, he owned a bar in the interim. Yeah. So they, they took, he quit, owned a bar for a few years, and then went back to cutting hair. And he worked at JCPenney on the other end of the mall, the uh, south end of Northgate Mall. And he worked there until the 90s. I forget exactly when. So my dad most of his career was at that mall so it just has a lot of in my stepsister i mentioned worked at the squire shop i worked at pay and save for a couple of years there was a pay and save drugstore there my sister worked at jc Penney's for a year or so and then my wife just recently worked at jc Penney's. <laughs> yeah. so this mall has a lot of deep kind of connections with my family how, so how it's kind of how old were you when you worked there uh, I worked at J.C. Penney in high school, so I was 17 or 18 through so like you were 20. a high school mall worker. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And uh, so it's just a lot of memories. A lot of my yeah. friends worked there. Uh, there was a Farrell's. Yeah. I'm not sure if you knew what Farrell's was. I it was an ice cream kind of oh, restaurant. Yeah, okay, focused, I think I've heard of it. Yeah. And it was fun and kind of like had 20s style or yeah. something. So it, you know, Northgate's been a part of my life for a long time. Yeah. So I was kind of tickled when. Word my grandma used uh, when Andy said, "Hey, let's do a walkthrough." So we did a walkthrough and we took yeah. a few pictures and stuff. Yeah. I think it was funny. I was I was thinking it was going to be really really abandoned, but there were a lot of people I think doing what we were doing, just kind of going back through there. We did see we saw one guy zip by us on a skateboard, and the security guard was like, "Meh," which I mean I don't blame. Why would yeah. you be? And then this girl rode by us on a bike, or, you know, in the mall. Yeah, in the mall. I don't know if you remember. Oh, I don't remember. But, yeah, yeah, she rode by us on a bike and. The, same security guard, yeah. just didn't care. So. It, it wasn't totally abandoned, but it was definitely light. Yeah. And yeah. I think, well, Nordstrom's was still open because Nordstrom's yeah. was the last store to close. So yeah. there's probably still a few customers going there to Nordstrom. Um, yeah, so I'll just give you a few quick facts about Northgate. Uh, Northgate's kind of considered one of the first modern post-war shopping centers. Yeah. I mean, that was the word that was used. Yeah. but And originally it was uncovered. So it opened on April 21st, 1950. And with 18 stores, but by 1952, there were 70 stores, so it grew quickly. And also in 1952, they put up a, I don't know how tall, about a 70-foot cedar totem pole on the north end of the mall. And that was like uh, the iconic symbol of Northgate for many years, and they took that down like 20 years ago. And so in 62, they put, they called it a sky shed, so kind of a, it was a roof, but it wasn't totally enclosed. And then I don't remember that. I should. I'm sure I was there when they had that sky shed, but I don't remember. Yeah. But then they enclosed it in 73, 74 when I was like first grade. Oh, okay. So yeah. they, they totally enclosed it with the 70s style. Yeah. You, you can see the old pictures. And then they renovated it in 1997, and it looked pretty modern. Yeah. But, you know, by then it was a pretty, you know, almost a 50-year-old mall. Yeah. So that's kind of like just the out out the sketch of the of the mall history. And uh, so do you know about the plans that they, they're going to – uh, do with Northgate now? I, well, I know there's like a there's going to be a hockey national NHL like training facility. Yeah, right? yeah. There's yeah. going to be three rinks there. Yeah. So that's going to take a lot of space, and I guess it's going to be a mix of commercial, retail, and residential. Yeah. So that's kind of like the new model. They yeah. They kind of blend it all together, yeah. and I guess they're going to have an open spot. Yeah. Like there's going to be open spaces in the middle, like courtyard type of thing. Right. 
eventually we'll just all live under a dome with a sports <laughs> center and mall yeah. shops and kind of an interesting little side note uh, a guy i went to high school with did very well he owns this big company yeah and he's got a lot of money apparently yeah. <laughs> and he's one of the investors in the nhl oh. team i'm sure he's a minor investor because yeah. i think bruckheimer jerry oh, bruckheimer wow. is one of the investors wow. and some other billionaires so there's yeah. a few super rich guys and then my yeah. my buddy's like compared to us super rich but compared to them maybe not so much so he threw in a few bucks and he's one of the owners so kind of another little connection to it and they put the light rail there's like gonna be a light rail coming in within a year or two so they're just transforming the whole kind of vision right and i think there'll be some retail left there how do you how did you feel it didn't seem like it upset you that much no you know um I think I mentioned, you know, I'm on the Seattle Vintage site, yeah. and that's it's a lot of fun because I love history and yeah. all that. But there's so many people saying, "Oh, Seattle used to be really great. No, it really sucks." Like, <laughs> I love history. I appreciate yeah. it. I'm gonna miss Northgate, but yeah. that's just life. Yeah. Life is change yeah. and progress, and uh, you know, maybe they'll use that space better. Yeah. There'll be people living there. There'll be light rail. So, yeah. I mean, I'm gonna miss it. Brings a little tear to my eye, but it's aged. It's 70 year old mall. Yeah, true, true. And you know, uh, I. I guess I, that's the way I'd sum it up for me. I, I kind of wanted to talk about it because I think malls, particularly for people our age, Greg and my age, they're they were a big part of our culture. Um, but you get to see it in things like I think, like once again, I think Stranger Things did an amazing job. And I mean, I don't know if you had the monster from the other dimension, but we <laughs> that, we sure had that problem. I mean, you know, I think we fumigated, and that was that was all. That was. And you know, you talk about the dead malls and live malls, yeah. and they're transforming Northgate. So. You know, there's like I think Bellevue Square Mall. Yeah. I, I don't go there often, but yeah. when I've been there, it's alive. It's yeah. thriving. It's yeah, doing yeah. well. Uh, I just think they were different. Maybe you know that's that's the thing. That's what I was. It's interesting to hear that you didn't have the same sort of like I said, like sketchy mall, like uh, the, the kind of uh, questionable things. Aurora right? Village. That was the one that ah, died. Okay. And that at the end did seem a little sketchy okay. <laughs> because you know when you have abandoned areas, people right, right, show right. up to do nefarious things. Right. I think. Um, but yeah, so we just want, we want to talk about it. I mean, you know, oh, I wrote down a note. I didn't really work it in, but you know, malls were part of our culture. Uh, the dawn of the, I, one of the things I think is funny is the dawn of the dead, the original 1978 one, they remade it in 2004, but that was set in a mall, the survivors. <laughs> that was the second, yeah. uh, dead movie by George Romero. And they, and, it, and you know, I think. I, oh, and then make, fa- Fast Times at Ridgemont High. Oh, yeah. There's a lot yeah. of, you know. And I think you told me, or I read somewhere, but Peak Mall was around 1990. Yeah. I think. I mean, the sense. malls were big in the 70s and 80s. It yeah. probably peaked around 90 and a slow decline. Yeah. And I don't think they're going to go away. It's yeah. just not going to be the, because of technology and social media and right, just the way right. that society changes, that yeah. it's not going to be the center of adolescent fun <laughs> right, and right. activities yeah. as much as it was in our day. Yeah. Yeah, it was a thing of its time, I think. Yeah. yeah. And like I said, I don't think it's going to go away. Like, yeah. uh, there are some malls out there, like Bellevue Square. Um, I'm not sure how South Center's doing. You were there recently, right? Oh, there's boy. A, there's yeah, a mall there. in the Seattle yeah. area called South yeah. Center. I, I think they're not doing as good as Bellevue Square. Bellevue right. Square is more upscale and yeah. that kind of thing. But um, it looks like they're adjusting. Yeah. Yeah. But. And so, you know, I don't think it's going to die right away, maybe in 20, 30 years, something. Yeah. But for now, they're going to be around, but just fewer of them. Right. <laughs> so yeah so that's end of the summer end of the northgate mall nostalgia nostalgia uh we're i'm i'm 
have some plans for some, uh, particularly as we head towards Halloween, I have some plans for some shows. Oh, yeah. I have some ideas. I don't think we've, except for the la- the hiatus year, yeah. I don't think we've ever missed a Halloween nope, special. I don't think so, so we will, yeah. through hook or crook, <laughs> playing hooky and, from work, we'll get a Halloween episode up. And we might we might even squeeze in a, two or three Hopefully. around that time. Uh, but other way, uh, I okay. hope everybody had a really amazing summer and, um, and I hope everybody has a great fall and winter. And we'll be talking to you soon again. Yes. This is uh, the finish of episode 33, Rain City Bunker. See you later. Bye-bye.